Hello and welcome to Life Changes You. My name is Daniel. I hope you've had a great week. We've had lots of great guests in the last few weeks, lots more great guests to come. One of our favourites or one of your favourites is Isaac Lee, who last time we spoke about, uh, we did an introduction to CBT and the other one was, I was going to say unhelpful thinking styles, but it wasn't, it was, what was it? Um, intrusive unwanted thoughts. Uh, intrusive unwanted thoughts. So hello, Isaac, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? Good. And when we actually did the one intrusive, unwanted thoughts, uh, the guy, Paul, um, who is a sound engineer, he was saying that he was listening to that while he was editing it. And I think it was his receptionist or PA came in and started listening. And she's like, oh, wow, I have all those thoughts too. So, you know, it was really important one. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. So you're a psychologist. Yep. I'm a psychologist in Australia. Uh, Yeah been doing that for quite a few years now and uh, i wanted you to say that just so people who haven't heard you before can realize that you talk from your experience and your learning yeah so it's a bit of a combination of the two uh i, I am certainly happy to disclose information about myself uh within this kind of context but also you know, i'm just passionate about psychology and so yeah done a lot of study and done a lot of professional development in that area and uh, I'm really keen to, to talk about some narcissism today. That's uh... narcissism. Yeah, look, I I love not I love narcissism, but I I've wanted to talk to someone about narcissism for a while because I've had people ask me about what narcissism is, and I thought it's the perfect time to ask you to explain it to me. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's just dive straight into it with a little bit of a like kind of a breakdown of what we're going to do. So we're going to go through what are the criteria for narcissism in terms of like the DSM. Yeah. Uh, but then we're going to actually kind of scrap that a little bit and talk about what it actually means. Yeah. Because the word narcissism is is super interesting. I know you, you probably experienced this, right? Where somebody asks you, like one of your friends, say, "Oh, is my partner narcissistic?" Like I think. I think he's a narcissist or I think she's a narcissist or I think they're a narcissist. Uh, and really, really what they say is sometimes they're a bit of an arsehole. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> like that's what I've been at least when I have somebody come in to, to my practice and ask me about their partner and they're like, I'm pretty sure that they're narcissistic. Uh, and then when we, when we break it down, most of the time it's, uh, you know, they can be arrogant and, uh, and yeah, a bit of an arsehole. Uh, but differentiating between that kind of, uh, you know, general being an asshole or being a bit arrogant or a bit haughty, uh, it's a it's a word that I had to look up when I first uh, um, was going through the DSM, the word haughty. Do you know the word haughty? Haughty. Is that H-O-R-T-Y? H-A-U-G-H-T-Y. Wow. You're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> H-A-U-G-H-T-Y. Arrogant, superior, and disdainful. That's the, uh, the the definition of the word haughty. Wow. Um, so, hey, have you ever seen that one? No, uh, no but, but it's it's actually like haughty is naughty, but just with an H. Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah the podcast that teaches you about psychology <laughs> and spelling. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, like uh, kind of differentiating between that kind of arrogant behaviour and, and something that we would then kind of classify as narcissistic personality disorder, kind of differentiating between that. And really more important, like once we have a little bit more understanding of what we're talking about in terms of narcissism, I'd like to talk about something called empathic confrontation, which is like I'm all about practical stuff, 
And, and so how do you communicate with somebody that is narcissistic or has narcissistic traits or narcissistic personality disorder? How can we better communicate with those people to, to uh, maybe get past some of those defensive mechanisms that they've got in place to try to protect themselves uh, in order to really uh, have a better probability of having a positive outcome really when telling them that they need to stop what they're doing. And can I just ask you before you go on, so is narcissism uh, equal in men and women or is it more a male thing? That's an interesting question. I don't know the answer. I can answer it for you. It is, it is mostly in men. It, it's generally found in more men than it is in women. Ah, there you go. Yeah. I just wanted to show you that I knew some things. <laughs> I had no idea. I, 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 I mean, like I would have taken an educated guess based on the presentation that came into my clinic, but that would not be based on any research. So I'm really glad to, to learn something here. That's great. Yeah, generally affects men more than women. So let's uh, kind of break down what, uh, what the different criteria are in the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistics Manual, our uh, handbook for, for actually diagnosing people. What is the I for in DISM? Uh, DISM, there is no I. Oh, I thought, oh, so it's just DSM. I thought it was DISM. <laughs> <laughs> People often say DISM just yeah. <laughs> like to, you know, get, make it a bit even shorter, but no, no I. No, okay. <laughs> All right, cool. So, uh, I'm going to run through quickly because I prefer to just really kind of conceptually talk about what this all means. Yeah. So it has a grandiose sense of self-importance. For example, exaggerates achievements, expects to be recognized as superior without actual completing those achievements. Yeah. Is preoccupied with fantasies of success, power, brilliance, or perfectionism. Well, perfection. Wow. Uh, or perfect love. God damn it. Okay, <laughs> I'm glad that I'm okay with not being perfect because <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'd, uh, we'd be struggling there. Believes that they are special and can only be understood or should only associate with other special people or institutions. Requires excessive admiration, has a sense of entitlement such as unreasonable expectations of favourable treatment or compliance with their expectations. Is exploitative and takes advantage of others to achieve their own ends lacks empathy and is unwilling to identify with the needs of others, is often envious of others or believes that others are envious of them, shows arrogant, haughty behaviours and attitudes. Okay, so you can certainly Google DSM, Narcissistic Personality Disorder, and, 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 uh, and, and pull up these different uh, uh, criteria. But really, let's, let's break down what, what you really mean by narcissism. Uh, so it's somebody that is particularly arrogant or dismissive of other people, as like is really preoccupied with success to a degree that limits their ability to maybe interact with people or limits their ability to see reality. So somebody that's just obsessed with earning more money uh, to the point where they uh, negatively impact their relationships, or you know, in terms of a partnership, which is the the time where like. You know, in a relationship where it comes up the most, doesn't really accept the other person's attitudes or beliefs or is really dismissive when they say, you know, you're wrong or I disagree with you or I think we should do this parenting style or I think that we should live in this house or I yeah. think that we, uh, I think that you should quit your job and move somewhere else or I don't want to hang out with this person or I, you know, like uh, I'm not uh, feeling like I'm in the mood for sex with you yeah. uh, at the moment. So uh, when, when we're faced with these kind of 
situations with somebody that has some of these narcissistic traits, really what we see is a, is a defensive mechanism that comes in where they just, they have a lot of difficulty accepting that they might be wrong. Yeah. Or, yeah, they might be really, it comes, it actually comes down to vulnerability and inferiority. I want to break down what it's like with some of my narcissistic clients that I've, that I've worked with. Like we see the, we see the shitty things that come out when people have this narcissistic personality. So when they have these narcissistic traits and we kind of, like we'll bear the brunt of that, right? We'll have to deal with that person being arrogant or dismissive. Yeah. And it's and it's bloody annoying, right? When we when we really get into the crux of what's happening for this person, underneath that bravo, like arrogant, haughty behavior that is coming out, is really like quite underneath that is a feeling of inferiority. Yeah. I'm not good enough. Yeah. Maybe when they were a child, the love that they got or the attention that they got was based on their ability to achieve. Yeah. So they didn't get those needs. Their needs weren't met when they were a kid. An effort to protect themselves from feeling vulnerable, from feeling not good enough or inferior, not good enough to be loved. Then we see this defensive mechanism come out that is what we call overcompensation. So it starts from a fa- you know from a place of I'm not good enough. Now I don't want to feel like I'm not good enough. I don't want to feel that way at all. And so they overcompensate. So they compensate for that, but they overcompensate. They go the other way. They go all the way the other way. And they say, actually, I'm not just not good enough. Right? Like, I'm not not good enough. I'm, I'm not just good enough. I'm, I'm amazing. I am, I am the best. I am so good at this. Like my decisions in regards to where we should live is so important. My decision about parenting is, is like better than anybody else's. The, the money that I earn is, is incredible compared to other people. My ideas in the office are just amazing. Right? So they're overcompensating for this, really, this underlying feeling of, of inferiority. Now, I think this is important for us to know so that we can understand where some of these trigger points come from. Yeah. Because you might have somebody that's in that kind of category, and look, there are varying degrees of, of narcissism in terms of intensity. It, what, did it used to be called before it was labeled this? Was it like the godlike persona? Is Ooh. that how we saw it as, or is that uh, different? Uh, this is potentially before my time, mate. Like, oh, okay. uh, this is uh, this is some of your knowledge that I don't know. Yeah, uh, you know, like because when you were saying um, feelings of grandiosa, uh, feelings of self-importance about being above other people. But I remember people saying, oh, look, that person's got a godlike persona. You know, they feel like nothing can touch them and they're the best person and they everything they say is right. Yeah, 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 a bit of a God complex kind of thing. God complex, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's going to often be the external presentation. Yeah. So that's what you're going to see. Yeah. Right? You're not going to see that feeling of inferiority. You're no, not going to no, no. see that feeling of, of being not good enough. You're going to see them saying, no, I'm right, you're wrong. You're yeah. going to see them saying your attitude, your, your opinion doesn't matter. You know, you're going to see them saying, I, should, I shouldn't be treated like this. I should be able to see that person today. I shouldn't yeah. have to wait on the waiting list. You know, like, or, you know, like I should be able to cancel the, my appointment uh, without consequence. I should be given special treatment. I should be, uh, you know, given 
accolades and rewards and, and everything. Uh, so again, this we're we're going to see that arrogance. We're going to see that you know we're we're really going to see that overcompensation. That's what we're going to notice. I'm pointing out this underlying factors so that we can really see like what kind of things are going to trigger that overcompensation. Yeah, might be that their kid came home with a report card and it had a, a B on it rather than an A. Yeah. So then what that, what happens is that that triggers a, a sense of inferiority in some way, shape, or form. So it might be, wow, I feel like maybe I'm not a good enough parent. Yeah. Maybe I didn't teach my kid how to read earlier, and this is a reflection of how I am inferior. And then that feeling comes to a, wow, that means that I'm not good enough as a parent. That means I'm not good enough to be loved. That means I'm in, feeling inferior. All right. Now it's gotten to a point where I don't want to feel any of those negative emotions. So I'm going to get rid of them. Not really, not consciously. I just want to be really clear here. Not consciously on a subconscious level, just kind of dismissing all that, putting it to the side and going, nah, I'm actually an amazing parent and my kid deserves to get an A because I'm an amazing parent. So now I'm going to call that, call that uh, school and I'm going to tell them why they have marked my <laughs> eight-year-old kid's uh, test incorrectly. Underneath that is this fear of, of not being a good enough parent. Yeah. Uh, so understanding what the trigger points for this. You know, you get into an argument with somebody, you make them feel like they are, that they're wrong or that they're not good enough, and that sense of, of inferiority gets triggered in some way. And then, we met, then we're met with overcompensation. We might go into they might go into a bully attack mode, right? So all these different modes, so an overcompensation mode, maybe a bully attack mode, uh, maybe an angry child mode, right? Like these modes that are in there to try to protect that vulnerable self. So there's a stimulus that's coming, some some kind of thing that's come in and, and, and made that person feel vulnerable in some way. I don't want to feel vulnerable, so instead I'm going to bully and attack the person in front of me. Instead of feeling vulnerable, I'm going to get angry. Instead of feeling vulnerable, I'm going to overcompensate and tell them why I'm actually fantastic. Instead of feeling vulnerable that I've made a mistake with what the appointment time is, I'm going to demand that I uh, get special treatment. Yeah. So cool story, Isaac. Like <laughs> people can be <laughs> people can be arrogant and haughty and. Uh, but what the hell do we do with this in terms of... Uh, so, like yeah, what is secure? I mean, look, I was just reading before we started and they said it requires a medical diagnosis and it can be chronic, can last for years or be lifelong. And treatment can be helpful, but this condition can't be cured. Yeah, so personality disorders can be pretty tricky. When it comes to curing things, it's not like, I don't know, I don't, I don't see things in terms of like... Uh, Either you have it or you don't have it, or you, you know, you're cured or you're, you know, like I, I actually think that we all have traits of narcissism at different points in time. Yeah. Right. Like I myself, for instance, if I haven't slept much and I've just found out that I've done some, made some mistakes at work that I have to fix up and uh, I'm just feeling pretty shitty uh, about maybe myself or my work or what I'm doing. And then I come home and maybe my partner tells me that uh, 
that I've, I've left clothes in the wrong place or, or you know, maybe I, I've cooked dinner and she tells me that she doesn't like it. Yeah. Uh, then I might, you know, display some narcissistic traits where I say, actually, this is delicious. You have bad taste. Right? <laughs> <laughs> bad taste in, in, in food, not in, not in men. <laughs> so... I think that we can all have narcissistic traits. Yeah. I think we all do. At different points in time, at different points in our life, different situations, we might overcompensate. We might, you know, feel vulnerable and then try to externalise rather than internalise. I think that that happens with, with most people at different points. Yeah. When we look at narcissistic personality disorder as a diagnosis, what we're really kind of picking up on is that these traits uh, overall having a negative impact on that person's life. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So it might mean that it's resulting in a breakdown of a marriage, breakdown of the family unit, even though that's something that's important to them. It might mean that they're more likely to get fired or it might mean that more of their staff are more likely to leave so that they have retention problems at work. And so when it starts like negatively impacting that person's life or the relationships around them, that's when we start going, okay, well, maybe we need to do something about this. Just as a quick side note, when it comes to my narcissistic clients, it's really hard to actually get them in because the concept of seeing a psychologist requires vulnerability in terms of saying there might be something that I need to work on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I could imagine that, you know, what you've been saying before, a lot of them wouldn't see an issue. So is it maybe that their partners, uh, male or female partners, is saying, hey, look, you need to go and have a chat to a psychologist because things aren't right. And then when they do actually come to see you, it's then being able to broach that subject and then start to get them to try and open up because if they feel there's nothing wrong, what the hell do you know? Yeah. Yeah, so the number one thing that, that actually gets them in to see me is, is leverage. Leverage yeah. is super important. Uh, it's typically if you don't go and see a psychologist, I'm going to leave you and you're not going to see your kids again. Right. If you don't go and see a psychologist, you're going to go to jail yeah. or if you don't go, if you don't see a psychologist then this relationship is going to break down or you've been fired from multiple jobs um you need to see a psychologist otherwise this is going to continue to be a problem yeah um so there's typically some amount of leverage in that situation to get past the hurdle of avoidance and overcompensation that prevents somebody with narcissistic traits from seeking help because seeking help requires saying that there might be something wrong with me or that I yeah, yeah. Uh, I need help in some way, which they, they go to coping strategies over compensation and that doesn't mesh with that concept, doesn't mess with that, mesh with that coping strategy. Yeah. So leverage, super important in getting somebody in to see a psychologist and, uh, you know, if you're in that kind of position, like, and look, this is really hard because you know, differentiating between narcissism or whether maybe you've got too high expectations of that person, yeah. uh, it's really hard. So, <laughs> I mean, you could just be a perfectionist. Yeah, totally. So, and I guess for you in your position, it can be hard to actually, when they come in, to work out which box they actually fit into. Yep. You know, there's a, a particular... 
category in the DSM that says that they have that they have this uh, sense of achievement without commensurate achievements. So they have this like inflated sense of self, or they believe that they are you know superior to others without the corresponding evidence that, that indicates that that's true. That's what the definition is in the DSM. But most of my MPD clients actually like many of them just do have incredible achievements, right? Because in an effort to not feel inferior, they've gone to significant lengths to try to prove to others, i.e. themselves, that they are actually good enough in these kind of categories. So a lot of the times they are CEOs. A lot of the times they are surgeons or or, or doctors or uh, successful businessmen, entrepreneurs. You know, they, they, they do go to a lot of effort. Some of them are like, amazing that the the amount of work that they put in with their kids and how much they're willing to do like under that category, trying to be the best parent they possibly can. So uh, most of the time they do have some really amazing uh, qualities. Uh, They have some amazing achievements. Often they don't necessarily see that those achievements as as, as amazing. They just kind of are pushing to the next level. Uh, Again, to try to uh, push and push and push and to get ahead in order to to not feel that uh, uh, inferiority aspect. All right, we're running out of time here, so yeah. I want to quickly run over into something that's called empathic confrontation. Yeah. So I'm now glad you we- said that because I thought you were actually going to say to me, right now I just need to ask you these questions, and I was getting worried that I didn't want to <laughs> answer <laughs> yeah. them in case I came across as narcissistic. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, mate. You're right. All right, so let's assume that we've got somebody who uh, – is displaying some amount of narcissism or some narcissistic traits, uh, how do we actually engage in that person, particularly if we need to tell them something that potentially is going to trigger that sense of inferiority or not being good enough? So let's say you need to stop drinking as much as you are drinking. Yeah. If you tell them, hey, you drink too much, well, that's a, a statement that might be 100% true. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's going to, oh, you think that I'm not, you know, that I'm drinking too much? Well, there's other people that drink heaps. I'm actually drinking a reasonable amount. Considering my situation, I would say that I should be drinking more. So, uh, you know, I'm going to dismiss what you've said and I'm going I'm to just uh, switch from beers to whiskey. We want to get across that, uh, that aspect of the truth being that uh, they're drinking too much, but we want to engage in empathic confrontation, which is to still say that we, you know, look, I think that you're drinking too much and I think that you need to, to, to reduce your alcohol consumption. But uh, we want to back that up a little bit and engage in some empathy. Now, not just empathizing with them, but communicating that empathy in an effort to reduce the probability of that trigger occur. Uh, in terms of, hey, alcohol consumption, look, I, look, I just want to know that, I, I just want you to know that it's been like incredibly stressful at work. Uh, with all these lockdowns that have been going on, like I know that it's just really hard to, to you know, have those same coping strategies and stuff. And like, and actually just hanging out with mates, right? Like, uh, you know, like you've been doing a lot of work, working from home, trying to get around all this uh, pandemic stuff. And look, I think that it's uh, that you've done a, a fantastic job in that in that sense. But I'm also worried that uh, that you've been drinking too much, and that's having a negative impact on me, and it's having a negative impact on the kids. So I'm just wondering if uh, maybe we could work on some strategies to reduce some of that alcohol. What do you think? What do I think of that? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were like as if you were talking to the other person. I was, yeah. and then I then I doubled it up, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> you told me I didn't need to answer anything, so I was just listening and enjoying the conversation. Um, yeah, look, um, 
Yeah, that's a lot better way to speak, isn't it? It's empathic confrontation is really just like we really want to be confronted. We want to tell that person, oi, you're in the wrong, right? Yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't be and doing it comes it. across more as a suggestion rather than this is what you need to do. It is a criticism. It's still a criticism that they you know, that they need to stop working as much or they shouldn't be raising their voice or they shouldn't be drinking as much or that they need to remember to buy, buy you flowers or they need to be more considerate. Well, whatever it is that you're trying to get across, uh, you know, it's an important thing to communicate that thing. But if we want to try to navigate around those coping strategies, the overcompensation, the defences that are there, then we need to understand that underneath the, those arrogant or haughty behaviours is really a, like a, a vulnerable self that we want to uh, empathise with that individual in order to then communicate the truth and have a reduced probability of that trigger from happening. Still going to happen though. Uh, this is a, this is a reduced probability that that trigger will happen. You know, this is not a, this is not a surefire way to, uh, Oh, this is how you just deal with narcissists. It works every time. <laughs> it's uh, it's more just understanding what's going on there so that, um, so that you can, you know, reduce the probability of those triggers from happening. Yeah. It's a lot of work, isn't it? It is a lot of work. And sometimes, sometimes the work is not like it's like, you know, the effort to, to benefit ratio might not be there. So for some of our listeners, it might just be about understanding yourself and your desire to, to please people, your desire to try to um, make people happy might actually just be getting in the way of your own happiness. And yeah. so, and look, I mean, I, I've heard from a few people who have listened to other podcasts and they've sort of said, I really love the way you put that, but I really wouldn't be bothered putting it that way to them because, you know, I just want to get the message across. And I go, that's fine, you know, if that's the way you want to deal with it. However, yeah. you might find that you get confrontation from that because, and then they go, oh, no, but, you know, you know how to say it because you've learned it. And I said, but it's not a matter of you not knowing it. It's a matter of you thinking about it before you put it into words because you can come out and say something like, well, you've got to stop fucking drinking. Or you could say, like you said, you know, you're drinking a lot. Would it be better if you had a few less or, you know, uh, do you really need that next drink? Instead yeah. of putting it, you know, that's still not as eloquently as you put it. But Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would say that if you're going to practice this kind of thing, it, is, it does require dedicated practice. Yeah. Most of the time when I'm working with somebody in this kind of position, uh we actually, what, what I usually see is they, they go, oh, you're drinking too much. And then they go, oh, that, that empathic confrontation. Uh, and, and also I wanted to mention that uh, it's really stressful at work at the moment and, and, and I get that you must be struggling with lockdown, but also I think you're drinking too much. Yeah. So we might still, like, we, we, we just, we, we have this intense desire to go to the truth statement, like the thing that we want to tell them because they're, you know, they're in the wrong, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've probably been bottling up for a while that you want to tell them this thing yeah. and then you've got to think, oh, I need to be more empathetic as I say this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, communication is one hell of a thing to learn, isn't it, and to work around. I, I know some people I have in my life I need to, when I'm talking to them, actually think about what I'm going to say before I say it because I know if I say it in a certain way, it's just going to be not good. Um, and it's not because they're a confrontational person. It's just they understand it in a different way to most people I speak to. Mm -hmm. If we're going to just quickly um, summarise what we've gone through today. Yeah. 
Um, we've gone through uh, uh, aspects of narcissistic personality disorder and tried to differentiate a little bit between, you know, somebody being a bit of an asshole sometimes to somebody having narcissistic traits to that arrogance kind of thing to all the way to that narcissistic personality disorder. And then we've broken down a little bit of what's kind of happening underneath that. Yeah. Uh, so that uh, aspect of not being good enough or inferior in some way met with overcompensation, met with a uh, maybe a bully attack mode, met with some way of defending oneself from feeling vulnerable. And this is on a subconscious level. Then we've talked a little bit about empathic confrontation as a way to try to get around some of those defensive mechanisms by uh, empathizing with that individual before we get to that uh, statement that we're trying to get across. And the last thing that we kind of snuck in there was just that, uh, you know, sometimes it's about analyzing what's right for you as well, right? Because you might have somebody in your life that has these narcissistic traits that are actually causing a negative impact on your life. And it's uh, sometimes it's difficult to acknowledge that, you know what, maybe, uh, maybe I do need to tell them that, you know, if they don't see a psychologist, I'm going to have to leave this relationship, right? Yeah. And that's not a reflection of uh, you failing. Uh, or you not being good enough to help this person. It's just uh, acknowledging reality. And that's that's a difficult one to do. And I think that uh, a lot of the people that I speak to with uh, partners with uh, narcissistic traits, it, it is it is really difficult to acknowledge. So lots of different things when it comes to narcissism. Hope, uh, hope everybody Can works. I just ask you one more question on that? So yeah. if you were a female male and your new partner had narcissistic tendencies, would you not pick that up when you first started dating them? Typically, typically no. Okay. Because what you would pick up is that they're very impressive. That's yeah. the number one yeah. thing that you pick up. Yeah. Um, and they're probably like, you know, they're more likely to, to take you to some really nice restaurants. They're more likely to, uh, you know, go over the top in terms of uh, doing things for you. They're, they're actually yeah. going to be like, uh, they tend to be pretty, pretty great in that uh uh, early six months of that first relationship. And they tend to be like, uh, you know, like fun people to hang out with and do things with. They do a bunch of cool stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, they do, they, they have, they tend to have a lot of achievements and, and a lot of uh, positive things that they've done. Yeah. So they, uh, they I just wanted to see if we could pick it up uh, before people get in too deep. But as you say, yeah, they would come across oh, yeah. as a high achiever, uh, really impressive, someone you'd want to take home and introduce to your family. Yep. And, and I guess as it goes on further and further, you realise that, you know, it, it's not the best thing that you want to be around because I guess also the partner would start to feel inferior that their, their partner who's got the narcissistic tendencies is so great that they can never compare to them and they're always in the shadow. Yeah, yeah. Or... or there is a high probability that uh, self-sacrifices will find themselves in relationships with people with narcissism. So yeah. sub subjugation, putting other people's needs before your own yeah. as a way of trying to be a good person, trying to be a, a, you know, trying to make the world a better place. You're more likely to find yourself in a relationship with somebody with NPD because, so narcissistic personality disorder, because they're wanting to also find somebody that's going to treat them with their their needs are more important. Um, so the person with NPD, uh, their needs are more important than the other person. So more likely to find themselves in a relationship with somebody that's going to subjugate themselves. I, I put put his needs before hers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Thank you so much. 
Isaac Lee, it's been another pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, we're going to be doing another one in, I think, about the next three or four weeks. So that'll be good. Uh, we can catch up then and have another chat about some other topics that you come forward with. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to um, just, uh, just, just one quick one that I want to leave people with, just in terms of other resources out there. So if you want to learn more about NPD narcissism uh, and the different aspects of narcissism, then uh, Wendy Bahari is, uh, is probably the go-to source in terms of narcissism. Uh, so if you uh, look up Wendy Bahari, that's uh, Wendy uh, Bahari is B-E-H-A-R-Y. Yeah, really good resource for, for narcissism. So. All right, beautiful. Thank you for that. Nice. All right, you take care, Isaac, and uh, I'll speak to you sometime soon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to going through some more, more ones that we can maybe uh, talk a little bit more about some other personality disorders. And, uh, yeah. It's good because uh, it's giving people an overview of some things that they've probably seen or heard about and never really known where to go or what to do to actually find out about it. Yeah, cool. Beautiful. All right, see you soon, Isaac. See you Bye. Soon. Well, that was another episode of Life Changes You. If you want to contact us, we're available on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we also have a website, lifechangesyou.com.au. So until next time, take care of each other, and thanks for listening.